0: Good morning everyone. Good to see everybody this morning. If you would open up your Bibles this morning to uh, first Peter chapter three and we'll be picking up at verse eight. also we just uh Kay had give me a little bug in my ear the other day about uh, anybody that's tech savvy uh, if you could just come and and let me know you'd like to be involved in some of the technical aspects of uh, what's involved in ministry and stuff because uh, there's a need there's a need there and uh, so we we have that but anyway into our our uh, study this morning in 1st Peter chapter 3 Lord, we look to you we thank you that Lord that uh, you choose to teach us Lord you sent us the Holy Spirit that he would be the one who would lead guide and he would reveal Jesus to us that we would see him in a deeper and in a more Loving way, then, Lord, we maybe we haven't seen before, Lord. You you peel back the onion so that we can go deeper. And so I pray this morning that you would take our hearts, Lord, that you would be the one that speaks to the church, and that the Spirit of God would speak to the church, Lord, to hear what you would have to say this morning, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, last week in our study, we learned about submission and the submission between a husband and a wife and in that relation, in relationship and submission really begins by first of all a relationship with God and humbling ourselves before God there's no way that we can really submit unless first of all uh, it becomes a legal bondage you know submission and rather than a free uh, submission of the heart that only comes by first of all a relationship with God and entrusting in, in him and then he gives us our spouses and we have our spouses that Peter uh, spoke of now this week we're going to look at a different kind of a relationship the kind of relationship that we have amongst believers and the relie- believers relationship and uh, all the blessings and also the challenges that come with being in fellowship with believers so Peter says in verse 8 he says finally all of you be of one mind having compassion for one another love as brothers Be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Now, you know, as you first look at this first sentence and Peter says, finally, well, you know what? I want to tell you something. He's just getting started. You ever, you ever had a pastor come and say, finally, you know, I'm going to wrap it up. And then he goes on for another half an hour, 45 minutes and stuff. Well, this is Peter. He's just getting started. He's just getting warmed up. But I want you to notice that before we can have compassion uh, and have loving uh, kindness towards one another, tenderheartedness, uh, courteousness, that we first have to have uh, uh, be of one mind. We have to be of one mind, be on the same page. Amos 3.3, and many of you have heard me say this verse many times, but How can two walk together unless they be agreed question mark and the answer is no unless we're in agreement we can't walk together in in what we're learning and where we're going unless we're on the same page there's no way Uh, we struggle and to be honest we struggle to be on the same page I mean just look around we struggle we look at different churches. There's a struggle because of different ideas, different ideas. The way that we see the scripture, the way we want to see it, you know, there's differences there. And so why is it so hard to be on the same page? Why is it so hard to be on the same page? I, I believe the problem stems from not keeping the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the main thing. And, and in Romans chapter 11 Uh, verse 36 through chapter 12, verse 1. It says there in verse 36, For of of him and through him and to him are all things. In other words, it's all about Jesus. In him, by him, and through him, all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, It's going to take a sacrifice to be able to walk together in unity. It's a blessing to walk together in unity and to be united under the banner of Christ and under the love of God. But it takes everything. It's a sacrifice. But I I remember David Hawking saying one time, there's always a blessing in the sacrifices that we bring to God. There's always a blessing. And so there's a blessing as we come and we take our lives and we lay them down as our reasonable service that we present ourselves a living sacrifice for one another to live for lo- to love for one another. Now we can be distracted by all kinds of different things. Different things come up all the time. But we have to remember that again it's all about Christ. It's all about him. And there's only one way that we can have and I'll tell you There's only one way we can all be on the same page. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, and that's the whole paramount verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm focused. I'm seeing what Jesus has done. It's my faith is in him and what he has done. And for the joy that he went to the cross for me. I'm looking at what he's done. He endured all of that for me, for you. That's our focus. Our focus to see is what Jesus has done. And then translate that into our lives. And make that a part of the way we live. The way he lived for us. And died for us. And rose again for us. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He says, as Christians, we may differ on how things should be done. But we must agree on what needs to be done and why it needs to be done. What needs to be done and why it needs to be done. I thought that was very important. So Peter also here in verse eight, Peter says, having compassion for one another. The Greek word for compassion is smooth pathes, smooth pathes. We get our word sympathy from it. And that we are to be sympathetic. The word actually means to feel another's pain. Um, sometimes that's a hard thing to do. You know, it's a hard thing to come alongside. You know, people go, "Oh, I feel so bad for you." I remember when Greg Laurie's son was killed, and and people would come up, "Oh, you know, I know just how you feel. How can you know how I feel? How can you know what it's like to lose your son?" and and all you can say is say i can't even imagine my heart just breaks but i can't even imagine how you feel how it must be to be able to lose a, a loving child you know and and we we don't know but here here we have this compassion this this word to this word to mean to be the feeling of the pain of another then he goes on and he says we're to love as brothers. The Now, you from the, all those that are from Philadelphia are going to like this one. Um, love as brothers. The, the Greek is philadelphos. Oh, there's Philadelphia. I don't hear any cheers. It's kinda, it's kinda, we got so many from Philadelphia here. <laughs> but this kind of love is different from agape. Now, you've heard that word agape. Agape basically is in a nutshell it's it's a sacrificial love it's a willingness to lay down for someone else to to sacrifice yourself for that other person but philadelphos it speaks of brotherly love it speaks of the kind of a support for a family and and it's close now philadelphos is uh without really agape assisting philadelphos philadelphos can be mechanical it can be just okay uh, Jesus, when he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know, I love you. And he says, Philadelphia, so phileo. And Jesus said, do you agapeo me? And he goes, well, Lord, you know, I phileo you. You know, I, I, I love you like a brother, but do you agape? And he, he goes through all these, all these scenarios. And then finally, Jesus says, do you phileo? And he goes, Lord, you know all things. And so here's this place where we come and go, well, how can I? How can I walk in this love, this brotherly love, and really be a sacrificial kind of love? Well, first of all, Jesus said this in John 13, 35. By by this all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, first of all, I can't have that kind of love unless I'm born again. I can't have the agape kind of love unless Jesus Christ has taken reign inside my heart and has forgiven me my sin and I've surrendered my life to him. I cannot walk in agape love without, first of all, having Jesus Christ in there. So, if you have love for one another, so you take these two, agape and phileos, and you put them together, they work together. They work together in the respect, if we want to have a, a kind of love for one another that Peter's talking about, this Philadelphos, Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13:3, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. See, the love, the, the, the love of God is paramount. It's the foundation. It's the core of why. For the, for God so sent his, lo- his son into the world to save sinners. He loved us. He came into this world to save us. And without that love, without that happening in our lives, all we become is we become this, this image of love or what it means to be love and what the world says love is. But we're not even close the challenge is is to surrender to that love of god love unites us love brings that unity love gives us the ability to be compassionate love gives us the ability to be tender-hearted you know you can say well you're so cold you're so hard-hearted well the thing is is that that's an evidence that that christ is not on the throne Tenderhearted, hearted it causes us from love to be tenderhearted hearted and courteous. Read thoughtfulness towards one another. Without the love of God, there's no way we can be of one mind. Without God being there on the throne of our hearts, there's no way that we can be of, of one mind on the same page. Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Who was given to us. He's given us the ability. He's given us all things. That pertain to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. He's given us those things. He's given us love. He's poured out his spirit. He's given us power. He's given us a sound mind. He's given us the abilities. What we have to do is access them. and And walk in them. Now the main thing Jesus here. Is that he is Lord. And we're not. That's what Peter's saying here. He said we're at the same page. You want to know the same page? You be of one mind that Christ is Lord, and we're not. Matthew twenty four twelve. Here, speaking in the last j- days, here Jesus says, "And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold." Lawlessness here is just without law, no limits. No rules. Well, it sounds like Judges seventeen six, and Judges seventeen six is and in those days there was no king in Israel. Every everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Sounds like today. Sounds like today. Well, Jesus said in the last days lawlessness will abound and the love of many will go cold. You know, this is something that the the more that's, that sin abounds. The grace of God much more abounds, Romans, Paul says us. But there's a an af- cause and effect because of sin. It hardens hearts. It'll harden the love of God. It'll harden the Christians. It can cause those that have been born again and just get... It, you know, it's like a callus. You just keep getting hit and hit and hit and hit until finally there's no more feeling. And it's hard. And it's a part... Being a Christian, being a believer today... Without, without the outpouring and the love and the power of the Holy Spirit, this is an impossible walk. I can't walk this life. I can't walk uh, as Christ unless I'm filled with His power and filled with His love. I can't do it. I've got, I've got to have Him. He's got to be my strength. He's got to be my source. In Judges, when it says there's no king, where there's no king, there's no authority. Where there's no king, there's no reason to submit. Where there's no king and there's no power and authority, there's no, no reason to care for anyone. And that's why the love of many would grow cold. You remember that old song? I remember is that, it's my life, I can do what I want. Now, well, some of you are too young for that, but it's like that. It's my life, I can do what I want. You know, I'll do my own thing. You know, what was it, Frank Sinatra had one and I'll do it my way, you know. We're going back too far now. <laughs> but without the love of God ruling and reigning, we'll, rea- we'll react out of our flesh. We're hit. The flesh says, hit back. We're hit. The flesh says, I'll get even with you. That's what the flesh says. But I want you to notice a difference here in verse 9 between evil and reviling. When it says evil here, it's speaking uh, of and the the definition is is to cause harm, to be hurtful, to be destructive. That's what he's not evil for evil. Okay. And then when it speaks of blame there, he speaks of this uh, uh, reviling. He's saying it means to blame, put the blame. You know, you know, reviling took place at the very beginning in the Bible, didn't it? You remember what, what happened there in the garden? Adam said, Lord, it was the woman you gave me. It is her. And then she says, Lord, it was the snake. Everybody's blaming. And that's really what reviling is. That's a good picture of what reviling means. But 2 Corinthians 5.14 it says that the love of Christ compels us, compels us. What that means is that the love of Christ keeps us in check. My, my flesh wants to go one way, but the love of God through Christ keeps me in check. My tendency as, as just God's creation and, and, and a sinner is that my my first tendency without the Holy Spirit. My flesh is to sit back and strike back. Rather than show mercy. When l- the love of God has is on the throne. And Christ is reigning in our hearts. We won't return harm for harm. Or reviling for reviling or blame for blame. Instead we'll seek to to be a blessing. Instead, we'll find a way to sit back and not be that one that throws the stone that we won't pick up and we won't retaliate. And Peter says, this is what we were called to do. Not reviling, not evil for evil. This is what we're called to do. We're called to be uh, uh, an example of Christ. We're to be a written epistle that was known by all men that Paul would say when when they look at us they should be seeing jesus when they look at us they should see a willingness to lay aside any bent feelings towards revenge see jesus came to reconcile us back to god While we were yet sinners christ died for us he came here to do something for us that we couldn't do so we're here to do that for each other that's what the word is saying that's what peter is saying each year, millions of dollars are spent on recipes for the good life and how to live the good life. The thing is, is that if they would only read the good, uh, read the, 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 the word of God, they'd find out that the good life is found in God through Christ. If they would just come and read the Bible. But, you know, this world is a fallen world and if anything, uh, they are enemies that are well really they're brothers that are unsaved they're family but they don't know it yet but they need to come but the recipe for the good life is found in God through Christ so Peter says in verse 10 for he who would would love life and see good days let him refrain that means to hold back his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now we have to remember who Peter was writing to. He was writing to these believers who were on the run. They were believers that were being persecuted. Uh, uh, Nero was out to get them. He, Nero was out to wipe them out. But here Peter, in, in, he's quoting from David's Psalm 34. With this knowledge that the eyes of the Lord was on them and that he loved them and and that he's watching out for them and that he cares for them. This becomes a treasure of knowledge of of encouragement that God is with me. You know, nothing, nothing matters more than you know that God has spoken. If God has spoken, you can you can go into uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego's fire. If you know God has spoken, there's nothing that can deter you from that. If you're confident in what God has spoken, you can do anything. You can go anywhere. You know that God has empowered you because he's confirmed it by his word. This is the way, walk in it, and then we go in it. You can do it. I can do it. So Peter's pointing out, and the purpose here is, as he quotes from Psalm 34, is that even in the worst situations, if we love life, And we want to see good days. We better watch out for what comes out of our mouth. We better watch out for what comes out of our mouth. Refrain his tongue from evil. Uh, We all, if you've been saved long enough, you know this from Brother James. Chapter 3, verse 5. You know James. Speaking of the tongue. He says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. In other words, it's a forest fire. You know, it's a big, huge fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so... Goodness sake. Look at this. This sounds like Jeremiah. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can even know it? We can't even know how. We don't even know how bad we can get. So he's telling us here, the tongue is a fire. We've got to be careful to keep walking in the Spirit where we won't fulfill the deeds of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is that we're, we're, we're in check. The mouth wants to unload. Your mouth wants to unload. But then you have that quickening of the Holy Spirit, that, that place where you feel, oh, no, don't say it. Don't say it. You feel that check in your heart. Well, the smart thing is, follow what the holy spirit says because something is about ready to come out that shouldn't come out i know because i speak from what i know open your mouth Uh oh wrong thing dan you ever opened your mouth and embarrassed yourself listen look at everybody yeah we all have well the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity the tongue is so is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it's set on fire by hell. Wow. Well we know who's at the bottom of it. It's Satan, you know. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. That's his that's his that's his motive operandi is that he comes to seek, kill, and destroy. Nothing good comes from speaking evil. Remember what the definition of it is? it is to cause harm. It's destructive. It's to hurt. The intention of the heart of evil is to hurt, is to cause harm. It's a destructive fire. It's right from the pit of hell, Peter says. So we're to be on guard about our mouths. We're to refrain or put it in check. And now, in verse 11, He's telling us to live, actually he's saying here to live in an attitude of repentance. Repentance is basically taking an uh, and turning around and going in the opposite direction. He says, let him turn away from evil and do good. You're going in one way. The the inclination of your attitude is to go this way. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to do this. He's saying, no, go turn the other way. Make him 180. Go in the opposite direction. If we want to see good goodness in our lives, we need to turn away from what our our heart, our sinful heart wants to go. We're in a conflict. We're in a battle. We're not only in a battle in this world, but we're in a battle with ourselves. I'm in a battle with me. And so I have to come back. And the only way I can win is to allow him, Christ, to have preeminence and reign in that decision where I'm going to go and what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do. I want to see goodness. I need to make a a 180. I need to turn away from that temptation. To follow after evil. To be destructive. To be harmful. To be hurtful. Now I just want to say. The Christian life. Is more than just not speaking evil. Or not doing evil. The Christian life is more than just not speaking evil. Or not doing evil. It's just the opposite. It's speaking good and doing good. It's proactive. It isn't just sitting back and listening to it. It's doing something about it. So the idea here is if you're presented with an opportunity to r- repay somebody that has done you harm or some evil, you choose not to. You choose not to. You choose to do something good. To, you choose to instead to speak a blessing. Where there, where there would be a mouth of cursing and, and just hardship and reviling and all kinds of evil against you, you turn around and say, no, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to speak that way. I, I, I. Especially if it's a brother, because he's talking to family members. He's talking to believers here. And if this happens with believers, refrain from it. Don't get in the conversation. Stay away from it. Because Paul talks about that it only leads to further evil. It only goes down a path that's a slippery slope. And pretty soon it's it's you become a part of the destructiveness. Peter's saying, don't let your heart go there. Now, in Romans chapter 12, and we know that living at peace with, with everybody is really hard sometimes. But in, in chapter 12, verse 18, Paul admonishes us, to uh, live peaceably with all men as it is possible, <laughs> as much as it is possible. Um, we can try. I want to be at peace, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. I, I've, I've had people in my life, I want to be at peace with them. They don't want to be at peace with me. If they have anything, they want to they go to war. I don't want to go to war with them, but they want to go to war. But my place, my responsibility is to seek and strive after peace with everyone. And it's hard. Sometimes it goes against the grain because of the sinful nature. The sinful nature is like, well, that's fine, you know. Come on, I'll I'll give you the right hand of fellowship next time we meet, you know. (laughs) But the good life is marked by three things. Love, joy, and peace. But you ever found that sometimes it seems like peace runs away from you? Seems like it runs away, especially when evil comes knocking at the door. You ever had evil come knocking at your door? Genesis talks about it when Cain, when God's talking to Cain, and he goes, where's your brother? And he goes, am I my brother's keeper? He's knocking at it and God says, you know, evil is at the door. Sin is at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. It comes knocking. Trouble comes knocking. Evil comes knocking. And and, and it's a lot easier, easier for us to repay evil for evil. Than to pray, repay evil with good. We're talking about hurting. We're talking about pain. We're talking about destructiveness. And turning around and doing something good for them. I love those stories. You see those different stories or movies or something. Where this kind of scenario. Especially we see it in the life of Christ. We see that as He came into the world to save sinners and what did they do? He came to his own and his own received him not. And what did they do? They judged him. They took him. They handed him over to Gentiles and he was crucified. Why? Because he came to do good. He came to love. He came to show us the way to God through through him. And they said, no, it's not going to be that way. So he is our example of someone who's taken their life and laid it on the line and laid it down right in the face of evil right in the face of evil what a champion what a champion we have so if if peace runs from us Peter says run after it peace runs from you no matter what it is chase after it go go after it me you know um, Keeping peace, let the peace of God, we hear the word peace, let the peace of God rule your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Maintaining peace is a full-time chore. Maintaining peace, we as a nation, to be at peace, it takes, well, it takes everything because we have enemies on the outside that would like to come in. And the same with in the body of Christ. The enemy would like to come in. He would like to come at you. He would like to attack you. He would like to attack all of us. And it takes everything sometimes that we have just to maintain that peace in your heart and in your thoughts. You ever go to bed and you're just troubled? Ever go to bed and the peace of God just, you know, God's there. I'm having the problem. I'm having the problem of resting And surrendering. I'm having the problem of entering into his rest. Because of me. I'm my worst enemy. But Peter's telling us that. In verse 12 there. God knows when we're under attack. His eyes and ears are open to the righteous. And he sees when they're in trouble. And he sees when they're in need. In the same way he's aware of those who purpose evil. Towards others. He's aware of them. It isn't that he's turned a blind eye and a deaf ear away. Peter, as he's describing this, believers here were much like that of David when David was running from Saul. You remember the story how Saul was out to kill him? He ran after him and David hid in En Gedi. Well, as he comes in there into that place of En Gedi, Saul went into this cave and David went in behind him and David had an opportunity to kill him, but he didn't. Instead, he came up behind him and cut off a little sliver off of, his, off of his robe. And then later on, he could have killed him, but he shows mercy. And then later on, he's challenged on it, and he's asked about it. He's, he's convicted. He says, I, I raised my hands against God's anointed. Oh, and, and he went out and yelled out to Saul. And, he, and Saul was there, and he goes, is that you, my son David. And he goes, it is. And he goes, I had you in my hands today. I could have taken you. And Saul goes, you're a more righteous man than I. And you know, and he basically turns away. God's right there in the middle of that. This situation, David's hardship that he went through, it really grew him up and made him a great king. Because he learned how to turn away from himself and do good. You may have a Saul situation in your life. There may be a soul situation where things aren't working out the way that you thought. You feel trapped like David did. And you feel like, you know what, the only way I can deal with this is if I repay this person for what they've done. But like David, you say, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to trust God. We can do everything we can to try to keep trouble away from our lives only to find that trouble still comes. You know, there's no promise that we won't have trials and we won't have troubles. But Peter says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. So who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? His eyes are on the righteous. He's talking to those who agree with God. He's talking to those who agree with God. Um, What does God say about sinners? (laughs) We're a sinner. We're a sinner. And I need salvation. I agree with God. I'm a sinner. I need salvation. The right response is, Yes, Lord, you're right. And I'm wrong. Lord God, forgive me. Being in agreement with God, believing and trusting what he says about his son constitutes our righteousness. It's not by works. It's by our faith. Galatians 3, verse 5 through 9 says, Therefore, He who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The question is, he's bringing us to the challenge of how are are we receiving this work of grace? the, The one who supplies mercy in our lives. Just as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now he's bringing us into the relationship here. Of righteousness and what constitutes righteousness therefore know that only those who are the faith are the sons of Abraham faith in what faith of what faith in Jesus Christ so it's in that faith that we become like Abraham we're believing like Abraham did and it was accounted unto him as righteousness so God's looking at us and he's watching us and he's looking your heart the scripture says he searches our hearts and he tries our minds to make sure that we're understanding and we're seeing and we're responding the way that he's calling us. Therefore, know that only those who are the faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith again, faith in what? Faith in who? Faith in Christ. This is the standard of what he's given us to believe. Abraham believed God and what his promises were and God says that he blessed him and said he accounted it to him as righteousness. God's given it to us. What are you going to do with my son? What are you going to do with my way of salvation? How are you responding to that? God would justify the Gentiles by faith preaching the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying in you all the nation shall be blessed. He's talking about that God came into the world to save sinners and God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to that's what all that says right there that God is there and he has purposed to come and save every single person that's alive so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham in other words Jesus is our righteousness he is our righteousness my own righteousness of my own self is filthy rags. I don't deserve anything but the fires of hell. But with the love and with the blood and with the power and with the sacrifice, I get Jesus and what I get with Jesus, I get everything. I get heaven. I get redemption. I, I, I get the, the robes of righteousness. I get the covering. I get, I get everything. And believers, that's what we get. We inherit all things in Christ. I love this part. Whatever he gets, I get. So it's it's a, it's imperative that we stay close to him. See, the problem isn't with God. It's with us. We're the problem. It's our sin for nature. It tells us, and I had a guy do this once. You know, I, I was teaching and you probably have heard me, if you've heard me before say this, but we were having a Bible study, a men's study over in Savannah and, and uh, I was going to, I was you know all of sin and come short of the glory of God, and you know those scriptures like that, and I just said, "Yeah, I said, we're all a bunch of dirt bags, you know, and he goes, I'm not a dirt bag, <laughs> and I go, Well, I'm talking about you know figuratively speaking as that we're sinners, and we've fallen short of the glory of God, and that uh, there's none who does righteous, there's no, not one, there's none good, there's none who follow after you, there's none he goes, That's not me oh well i I said, the Bible says it's you, and I'm just telling you. That we're, you know, we're all dirtbag you new. Know, no, I'm not a dirtbag. Okay. <laughs> See, our, our sinful t- nature, like this guy, tells us, there's no way I could be wrong. It, it tells us, I'm doing good. I'm doing all kinds of good things. I'm doing good works. I, I'm talking to people. I'm doing all kinds of good things. Well, that's not about the works in, that we do. It's about faith in Christ and Christ alone. There's no other way. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, Jeremiah 3, 3 13 through 15. Uh, that's not the one. That one next one's coming up, but that's the next one I'm going to. <laughs> Jeremiah three thirteen through 15. He says, Only acknowledge your sins. And then he goes on and he talks in that passage, in those passages, to repent and to return to the Lord. This is how we do it. And this is what we do, is that we acknowledge, we agree with God. God, you're right. I need help. The first step is coming in and saying, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I've known people that have been in church all their life. Church doesn't save you, folks, I'm going to tell you that. It doesn't matter where you go and how long you've been there. You can go to church all your life, but it's not church that saves you. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only through his sacrifice. It's only through his way that God has purposed the way of salvation. There's, there's nothing we could do. There's nothing in our works. There's nothing we could do. But see, there's a future for when those come and come to Christ and surrender. And Jeremiah says it in Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, verse uh, 11 through 14. And I love this verse. And I know you, if you've read it before or haven't heard it, it's going to be a treasure for you. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. And go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. His ears are opening. His eyes are seeing. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me. With all your heart. All your heart. Not just half hearted. Whole heart. Do you know that you have to go through. Sometimes you have to go through a trial. Before you become whole hearted. Sometimes the flesh has to go through. A hard hard broken time. Before it begins to break. And say. Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. And this is a promise, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. Well, the captivity that's captivated us today wasn't like them at that time and Babylon and everything. This our captivity is sin. That's what he says. I'm going to bring you out of that. I'm going to break that yoke. I'm going to break that chain. I want to say this. You know, a lot of times I hear about people and they talk about addictions. I don't believe in addictions. I believe in bondage. Jesus is a bondage breaker. They're, the addictions of people, it's a cop out from the world to sit back and take us and just justify, oh, well, they, they're, just, they're just struggling with an addiction and it's something that they were born with. Wrong. They're born with it, all right, but it is it's the sinful nature that's in us, that causes us to yield and to, to, to give in to that bondage. And God says, I will gather you from the nations or from one of those places where you have fallen and those, all those places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to bring you to salvation. I'm going to bring you to the door of salvation. What you do with it is on you. It's your choice. To finish up, (laughs) as Peter said in the beginning, finally. I'm not going to go on for another half hour. In other words, it's imperative that we agree with God. It's imperative that we come to him on his terms. It's imperative that we come through his son, Jesus Christ. There's no other way. He is the only way. But the, the, the... the downside of this is those who refuse his face is against them. This is, this is not a good place. We sing that song, What can wash, wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, that's the whole of it in that song. Believing what Jesus did for us is our righteousness. I have no righteousness. He is my righteousness. I cannot get to heaven without him. There's no way in. It's his home. It's his place. It's his palace. It's his throne room. And there's no way in except through Christ. It's not by any righteous works we have done, Titus says, and and Titus 3, 5. It's not by any good thing that I've done. It's solely and wholly by the righteous work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So, Peter says, God's eyes are on those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. His ears are open to their cries and their prayers. So, I just want to say for you this morning if maybe you're here, maybe this morning you need to be encouraged that you don't sense that God sees what's going on. Let me tell you, He does. He knows. Let me tell you that He hears every word. He hears everything that's said in the secret or in the open place. He sees and he hears all of our cries, all of our tears. Scripture even says that he keeps our tears in a bottle. He holds them and it's a remembrance. He says, I'm not going to forget what you're going through. So you're this morning and I just want to let you know that God knows you. He knows your need. He knows where your heart is. He knows that, that you're going through brokenness if you're in brokenness this morning. Maybe you're in a challenge of salvation. Maybe you've been in church all your life and I've had people come, and come, come to Christ that have been in church since they were little kids. It doesn't matter. It only matters that you come to Christ. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. Lord, I thank you this morning that you are here. Lord, your eyes are upon us. Lord, we ask that, God, that you would speak to each one and pray that you, we would be convicted by your spirit of what we need to do. If we hear the, the words, this is the way, come, then we need to come. If he says, stop, we need to stop. If he says, go, we need to go. Whatever he tells us, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that, God, that we would just search our hearts now as you come and put your your aircraft landing light of your Holy Spirit on our hearts, Lord, as that light just points to that area that we'd say, yes, Lord, I see it, and I agree with you. Lord, we come to just surrender this morning as we sang, I surrender. Lord, we ask that you would just have your way now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
1: If let's you want to stand, stand with us? Go ahead. Yes.
0: Let's all stand together. heavy all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. Amen. Yes, Lord, for all our days. We just say, yes, Lord. When we're challenged, Lord, we say, yes, Lord. We want to listen. And obey. Thank you, Father, for hearing us, Lord God, and seeing us. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless thee. The Lord bless thee. And keep thee. And keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee the lord lift up up his countenance countenance upon thee and give thee peace amen there's that word again peace amen shalom god bless each other and just share that love with each other this morning god bless you all in Jesus' name. God bless.